Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great podcast. ESPN and Anscape contributor Dominique Foxworth has a new podcast every Tuesday and Thursday, bringing his unique perspective on football, the personalities around it, and just about anything else he finds interesting or thinks you might. So check out the Dominique Foxworth Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bobani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Coming up on this episode of The Right Time, we're going to talk about some things going on in the football world. Also, your stories of loans you should not have made to people. But first... All right, uh... How we how do we make sure that we get Bills Chiefs every year? Every single year. How do we figure out how to get this? Because look, man, have we ever, and I don't think this is an exaggeration at all, have we ever had two more exciting quarterbacks at the top of the league at the same time? Like at any point, have we looked up and been like, hey, these are the two best quarterbacks in the league? And they might be the two most exciting quarterbacks in the league. Like, in terms of excitement, you got to figure out where you put Lamar Jackson in this one. But when you watch Patrick Mahomes, ain't no way you think that somebody is more exciting than that dude. And when you watch Josh Allen, ain't no way you think anybody is more exciting than that dude. It just doesn't happen, right? So given that the quarterback paradigm has changed and what we get out of quarterbacks is different than it used to be. Like, I was thinking about this the other day. Tom Brady is kind of like unequivocally now seen as the greatest quarterback of all time. Now, is he the best quarterback of all time? That's debatable. Like, he's in an interesting Kobe Bryant sort of situation where you start going through the league every year and ask yourself, how often was he actually the best, right? Now, with Brady, you got that 2007 season where he threw 50 touchdowns. So, you know, you lean in that direction over there. But the argument was easy to make before that, that it was Peyton Manning. There was an argument to be made after it, it was Peyton Manning. Then Aaron Rodgers shows up, right? But anyway, Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all time, right? All them Super Bowls, you can't take away from it. But man, if I was going to pull up on YouTube and show a kid Tom Brady highlights, I might as well show him doing calculus. It's just a dude back there making excellent decisions. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that excellent decisions are not a great skill. I'm just asking you, how much fun have you ever had sitting around watching somebody make excellent decisions? It is normally more fun to watch people make terrible decisions. Take that Brett Favre dude, for example. I understand he's currently in the news right now for other things, but you got to admit, watching him make questionable decisions was great entertainment. It was a great show. Tom Brady ain't giving you no show. He's being Tom Brady. He's just out there doing what you're supposed to do, looking around, figuring it all out. And by the way, I will give this to Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning somehow figured out how to make excellent decisions into a show. Out there uh, doing the bird, you know what I'm saying, right? Everybody, have you heard, right? He's doing all that stuff with his arms and everything like that. Screaming out all kinds of random stuff. Sounded like uh, the, the end of what you call it. Want to be starting something? At some point, he's getting up there. You a vegetable. You know, it don't necessarily make no sense. He's just calling it out there. But he made a show out of it. You know what I mean? Brady, not so much giving you a show on it. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, baby, it is a show, right? 
That playoff game that we had last year, especially considering it's the division round, we're going to be talking about that game for a very long time. Like, I'm trying to think of a game in that round that was so exciting that we talked about it forever, and the best I could probably come up with is the Kellen Winslow game. Uh, Dolphins, Chargers, I want to say 1982 in January, somewhere in there. But if you Google the Kellen Winslow game, you'll get that game up exactly. And I'm pretty sure that that was a division round game. Like, you just don't get that that much. But we got these two dudes out there, and here's what Josh Allen is turning into. That is, like, you got to be like, oh, okay, this is it. What made the playoff game so great was that Josh Allen marched them down the field and they left the field with a lead, right? Then, of course, the wildest 13 seconds ever. They never thought they were going to score, and then they wound up doing it. But for the better part of the last, the end of 2020, all through 2021 and now, you feel good if you Buffalo with Josh Allen back there and the game is on the line. Now, he can go through the early portions of the game, and he'll try to give it away. I didn't see so much of this in his last game, but he'll try to get the ball to the other team. I guess he throws so damn hard, they don't want to catch it. But he, he, they, he will try to give the game away, right? But when it's time to cut it, nah, he's just out here to play, baby, right? And he's making it happen. And they made it happen in that game. And you see this giant dude just standing tall and throwing them rockets in there to people, man. Then on the other side, you got Patrick Mahomes, who I still say, man, it's like Jordan. Right? Threw it away at the end this go-round. That wasn't what you wanted. Totally understand that. But the whole way, you're just like at every turn, I can't miss any of this. I can't miss any of this with these two guys. Like, yeah, there's Super Bowl consequences to this, right? Or playoff consequences because the Bills effectively now have a two-game lead over the Chiefs because they have a tiebreaker. And, you know, they're up on them in the standings. But I feel like I'm less concerned with what's going on with those teams than what's going on with those guys, right? Like the menace came to play. Mahomes looked like Mahomes at points. But here's something that is interesting to me about the Mahomes angle, right? And as it relates to Josh Allen, particularly now that Tyreek Hill is not there. Josh Allen's the one with the players around him, right? Like, I feel like I watch Buffalo, and I watch the talent that surrounds Josh Allen. Mahomes ain't working with that right now. Like, I think that's been a huge part and adjustment of him now. Because if you think about this also, Juju Smith-Schuster put up them big numbers, but like that touchdown that he scored, that was Mahomes doing the Lord's work, running around and getting away from everybody. And then apparently, Juju went out there with Crisco on his clothes because they were having a hard time tackling him. Now, you'd have thought Buffalo was on the take. Like, it looked like when you play Madden on the low levels and they just be letting you score touchdowns, right? Like, it was that sort of thing. But it wasn't like, wow, look at the receivers Mahomes got with him really picking up the slack. No, that wasn't what it was. I look at Kelsey, and Kelsey, while he is still more threatening than your typical tight end, not having Tyreek Hill, I think, makes him more of a steady type of player than a dangerous type of player, right? But I want this for 15 years. This is the rivalry that we want forever. Again, assuming everybody can act right. Like I was watching, uh, what was it, uh, Sunday Night Football, the pregame show. And they had Chris Sims out there, and it was one of those amazing Josh Allen throws. And he says, uh, Josh Allen made that throw. Who else in the league can make that throw? And then he stops and is like, other than Patrick Mahomes, 
right? Like everybody gets so charged up to make Josh Allen into, I mean, like I said, he's incredible. So I'm not denying that part, but you can just tell the subconscious desire people have to make him the one. He ain't the one, right? If there's the one, it's the guy that's won a Super Bowl, that's won a Super Bowl MVP, that's won a league MVP, that's been to two Super Bowls. Like if somebody's going to be the one right now, he's the one and winning in the regular season is not dethroning him. Like we're just not there, okay? But if you're asking me who the two is, there's no question the two is Josh Allen. And if, 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 Buffalo wins the Super Bowl this year, particularly if they win the Super Bowl going through Kansas City, then we're going to have an argument as to whether or not Josh Allen is the one, right? Then we're going to have that discussion to be had. And I love the fact that we could have this discussion if y'all can act right, okay? And I love that fact because exciting quarterbacks, man. Not just, wow, look what he managed to pull off. or Oh, that's the KG veteran or everything else. These guys, I am enraptured whenever I watch them play. And for the NFL, this to me is like the greatest testament to the strength and power of the NFL at this point, which is these dudes play in Buffalo and they play in Kansas City, okay? We're not talking about big markets here, right? We're not talking about hubs of American media, of American commerce, of American culture. That's not what we'll be talking about. It don't matter if you're from one of those places. You about to get out here and you gonna watch this. Like the difference between the NFL and just about everybody else is the NFL, if it's good, if they balling, it don't really matter where they play. People signing up and they gonna come find it, right? Like these guys in these cities are going to be the story in sporting America for a very, very, very long time. I'm going to tell you this, though. Um, Mahomes is in an interesting space now because he does have to do more as like a Superman type. Like he's obligated now because there's just not nearly as much around him as there had been before. Being incredible for him is not optional at this point, right? Like the offense they had was a bit ahead of the league. You know how that goes. Everybody then winds up coming around and catching up. You see that happening to the Kyle Shanahan offenses, right? Everybody is dedicated to trying to figure out how to stop you. It's a whole league that's coming around and trying to figure out how to stop you. That's what they did with Mahomes. And you saw it last year where they started going too high on those safeties and taking away those big plays. And now he had to figure out how to be more precise underneath to get it done, right? He gonna have to do a whole lot more throwing dudes open now than he ever did before, right? That's going to be the change for him. It's going to be interesting with Buffalo as you have an evolution of how they deal with the salary cap because the one thing about when I watch the Bills, and again, this is no shade to Josh Allen. You throw to the guys that are there, but he ain't got to thread but so many needles, right? Like I'm looking, he's back there, he's reading it, he's doing what he's supposed to do, but them dudes are there for the ball to be thrown to him. Allen is also in a fascinating place, and he gets all the credit for this. You can't blitz that man because y'all can't take him down, right? Said this before, man. You out here sending what used to be number 23. They let these dudes wear any old number now. You sending number 23 off the edge and think he about to take down Josh Allen, man. Josh Allen looking at him like, like, like it's not even a bug on the windshield. You know what I mean? It's just like, yo, what are we doing here? Like, what are you, what, are you serious? No, no, off me, off me. 
right? Bo Jackson and Tecmo Bowl type stuff. All for men. That's what it is. It's like Christian Okoye back there throwing passes. Like, it's crazy. It's insane. It's absurd. Ain't no Steve Atwater coming through there on them neither. He's just back there. You can't do anything. So you can't blitz them. And anybody that can just stand back there long enough is going to get it done, right? You are only beating Buffalo for real if you got four dudes up front that can get real pressure, right? Because the dude that's going to wrap his arms around Josh Allen got to be as big as Josh Allen. I would recommend that he be bigger than Josh Allen. But that's what it's going to have to be, right? So maybe at some point people are going to figure something out that you know that you can do to deal with them, but that hasn't happened yet. That has happened in large measure in Kansas City, right? They do have a better idea of what to do with that offense, much less about Mahomes than what to do with that offense. But that means Mahomes is going to have to be the guy to overcome a lot of that stuff. This is going to be the next level of the Patrick Mahomes game. And I told y'all before, you're never going to see him put up numbers like he did his first couple of years. Like the example that I used was Dan Marino, who threw 48 touchdowns in 1984 and 5,000 yards and then threw like 44 touchdowns in 1986 and you never saw numbers like that from him again but it's not like Dan Marino got worse right the game changed um Josh Allen he's not going to have numbers like he did in 2020 it's not going to happen the game has changed and you see it at various points with Buffalo where you're like okay man people figure out how to do a little something with this how to do a little something with that but watching them evolve and play with each other through the whole time Oh, man, we collectively all are winning. And speaking of winning, maybe somebody going to stop Buffalo from going to the Super Bowl. I ain't exactly sure how. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. I'd like to run through the rest of the NFL with y'all. I got a couple other things that I kind of want to talk about. Um, I do want to throw this out there because I know that there's somebody out here waiting to see if I'll acknowledge that. Yep, Lamar Jackson threw that game away at the end, and the Giants and Daniel Jones, and I'm not saying Daniel Jones won it because that's preposterous, but the Giants and Daniel Jones won that. They are quite possibly the worst 5 and one team that I have ever seen, but it doesn't matter. They won that game. I don't want y'all to think I ain't see that. I don't want y'all to think I didn't notice that, right? I ain't running from none of y'all. Anyway, um, it was a wild college football weekend. Wild college football weekend. Uh, me and my man Spencer have been talking about it. We both thought that Tennessee would win that game. Um, I did not see it with my own eyes, but it is absolutely worth noting here. 
Spencer is like, look, Tennessee beat the brakes off of them. Like the score was not an indicator of what it was. And let me tell you something. There's a whole generation of football fans out here that don't remember anything like this, right? Like I'm thinking about this. If you are 21, you do not remember the last time Tennessee beat Alabama. Alabama had won that game 15 years in a row. And you got to get, this was one of the biggest rivalries in the SEC and by extension in college football, right? Like it was huge, huge. Like the game for the, like the, some of the big games of the 80s and early 90s of the SEC is like Alabama, Tennessee, Tennessee, Florida. And Tennessee and Florida have been like not worth discussing for so long. It's been so long. Like Florida's not even worth discussing right now, but it's been so long since you could talk about both of them that you didn't notice. This is huge, and nothing is better for the property value of the Southeastern Conference than this. It was also interesting for me personally because it happened while I was in Atlanta, and I came to Atlanta um, for Clark Atlanta's homecoming. You know, that's my alma mater. But it wasn't just Clark Atlanta's homecoming. Um, one of my near and dear professors, uh, Gwen Morgan, passed away a couple of weeks ago. And we had her memorial service um, on Saturday. And uh, both my mother and I spoke. My mother had been a faculty member with her. And my mother, you know, her talk was very interesting because she talked about the three different levels on which uh, she knew Ms. Morgan. And she, like one of them was as a colleague. And then the next was as the parent of a former student. Um, and then past that, uh, the Honda Campus All-Star Challenge, they both worked on that, you know, and all of those things. And I had never really thought about like what the relationship would be that or even the relationship, but just the thought or the view of my mother would have in the context of me. Right. And in the context of the idea that, you know, my mom looks up at some point and she realizes that, you know, I spend more time with this professor than I do with her. Right. But you know, it's just the nature of it. I'm on campus and stuff like that. But, you know, you know, she talked about that. And then I got up to talk. And then, of course, I turned into, you know, as close to a blubbery mess as somebody like me turns into. Like, the frustrating thing for me about crying in public while I'm talking is not the crying. I don't mind you seeing that. It's that I can't talk. I can't say the words, you know? I never have a problem coming up with words. I couldn't get the words out, you know? But, like, that was that was the rough part for me. I couldn't make that happen. But, you know, for, I'm assuming most of you know this, but, you know, Clark is a HBCU and what the faculty means and what the relationships are with the faculty at an HBCU was often different. Now, a lot of that has to do not simply with being an HBCU, but just size, right? The size of the institutions being small, you're going to have more intimate relationships um, and you get to know people better. But like, I really thought about it with Ms. Morgan. It's like, she wasn't even um, my professor because I um, taken dual credit in high school. So I didn't have to take, uh, didn't have to take composition, which is the thing that she taught. Um, but I was on, you know, the quiz bowl team and she coached that. And we were like very close in dealing with that and in doing all those things. And like I told a story and this is one of those that I could barely get to the end of. And I'm gonna do my best to get there here where. So it's a quiz bowl competition. I can't explain it all to you. You, you know how those kinds of things go. But anyway, there's an all star team every year. In my junior year, I'd made the all star team. We won a national championship, all of this stuff. And then my senior year. 
it was a big moment for me in life because I had to be the captain and I had never had to be the captain of anything before. And I like realized the responsibility that that came with. Like I had to be the person who set the tone and who did all the things. And I don't know how influential I was on everybody else beyond that, but it didn't matter because if they didn't do what I had to do even more, you know, like that was what it was. And I made the call to do that. And we went to the competition. It's a long story. We lost a heartbreaker in our last game and could not get through. And I missed the, all-star team by five points which literally means if I had answered one more question correctly I would have made the all-star team right not the biggest deal in the world but you know it's kind of whack and so we come back and I remember afterward that we had a dinner or something and I still have this in the house but Ms. Morgan had them get me an all-star trophy like herself because I was our all-star because she had seen what I had done and appreciated that you know, these are the kinds of things that those of us who go to HBCUs think about and we remember when we think about a lot of our faculty members, you know, like I went in, it was like, it was great. It was wonderful to see all the people um, who showed up and had things to say. And so you get a handle on what kind of person Ms. Morgan is. Ms. Morgan, one of them people where this wasn't no solemn memorial service because you don't, you, it's no fun to get up here and pretend like we were dealing with a saintly figure. We were dealing with a character. You know what I mean? Like we were dealing with somebody who always had something funny to say, whether she was trying or not. It had all the different phrases and her own sayings and everything else. You know, she was that type of person, you know, and we all won from that. We we all really, really won from that. And I won in particular because I got to college and I didn't spend any time really in my youth growing up with my peers. I spent my time talking to professors. So my young, obnoxious ass was offending all my peers and was lucky to have professors to talk to because I didn't really have nobody else that I related to. It took me years to figure that out. But while we're at the memorial service, they had a video tribute. And the video ended because at, at some point, I don't know when, I don't know exactly why. An institution, the institution had given Miss Morgan some sort of teaching award. And apparently it must have been some surprise because she mentioned there in the video that if they had told her they were given that award, then they know that she wouldn't have come because she's that type. Right. And I just remember she stood up there and she said just very matter of factly how she felt about it and how thankful she was and just made it very, very clear that um, she was there for the students. Right. That was the thing that she did all this for. And there was a point like to let you know what kind of woman she is. And the fact that we play this at a memorial service that is being held at the institution where she says it certainly wasn't for the salary. <laughs> right. Like that's the thing she's saying. Um, and somebody else made another very interesting point there that I hadn't thought about. You know, I keep saying Miss Morgan and not Dr. Morgan. And it's not because this woman wasn't capable of getting a Ph.D. She has studied at Oxford. Um but she basically sacrificed getting a PhD because the work that would have taken would have taken her away from working with us and the dedication that she had to making all of us better. Like she's not Dr. Morgan so that many of us could have become Dr. This, Dr. That and everything else. Right. I bring that up because 60 Minutes did a profile of Deion Sanders on Sunday night. And. It's interesting because like I was talking to my father, my father's all in on Dion and he believes that Dion can usher in a new day for black college football. And I think that is a preposterous thought. Right. But, you know, my dad is old. I don't want to burst his bubble or anything like that. But I don't see that. I am very skeptical of Dion Sanders. I've been very skeptical from the very beginning about Dion. 
Um, that's not to say that I don't think Dion means well, right? I do think Dion is in it for Dion, and I don't necessarily judge him for being it being in it for Dion. But I think that he is largely in it for himself. I also think that he has had an incredibly positive impact on both Jackson State um, and the SWAC. I have some problems with the way that he like views the conference, and I do feel like he thinks he's a bit bigger than the conference, and I do think that he does look down on the rest of the conference in a way and believe that his program should be better than what he deems HBCU football to be. But if y'all get good, y'all are HBCU football. You know what I mean? Like, like that's that's the way that I would like, you know, to see somebody like him look at it. But 60 Minutes came in, and it was a fairly glowing profile. And I think that in large measure, Dion has earned a glowing profile, um, especially from white folks who don't know nothing about HBCUs and just get their minds blown by what Dion has pulled off, right? But there was a part, and I thought 60 Minutes did their duty, and they asked Dion... Um, if a Power 5 job comes up, will you entertain it? And he said, of course, he would entertain it. That he would be a fool not to entertain it. And the one that you hear about a lot, by the way, now is Georgia Tech. And he would be a fool to take that job. The reason he would be a fool to take that job is I don't care if he's from Atlanta or not. The difficult thing about Georgia Tech is not getting guys into Georgia Tech as much as it is keeping guys in at Georgia Tech because they don't have a single easy class on campus. I bet you need a protractor to take PE at Georgia Tech. They, they ain't got nothing that you just going to be able to, like, skate through, right? But anyway, Dion said, yeah, he'd be a fool if he did not look at taking a Power 5 job. He's talking about trying to get more money for his assistants because they don't make enough money, and all of that is true. Dion doesn't really make a lot of money. All of that is true. Um, I don't know how much money he thinks Jackson State or any black college is going to be able to come up with. We just ain't got it like that. You're not going to be able to get so much in donations, and they've seen donations go up and all of that. Like like I say, he's been good for Jackson State. There's no question about it. But the thing I'd say, when I hear him say he would be a fool to not look at taking a Power 5 job, the goals and the aims of the place where you are are different. And I do think that one thing that makes Dion different than just about every other like HBCU professor administrator type, right, is that he'll be able to parlay that into something bigger than working at an HBCU, right? And I do mean bigger, and I don't have a problem saying bigger because yes, like Alabama football is bigger than Jackson State football. You know what I mean? Like, like you, you like it's not. This, is, this isn't a judgment, like a cultural character judgment or anything. Like, we know what we're dealing with here, right? But only white people have really been able to pull off, I coached at an HBCU, and now I coach at an FBS school. Uh, the dude, Jay Hobson, who works at Southern Miss, he's a guy that did that. But you go look at the history of it. We can't normally get from that point to that next point unless you, like, go take an NFL job, assistant job, or something like that in between. Ty Bowles is an example of a guy who did that, started at HBCU, and then got, you know, played it that way. Or you might get a position coaching job somewhere else, but that's what it's going to take. That's how, that's what you're going to have to do to pull it off. Dion can do things because he's Dion Sanders that most people associated with an HBCU can't do. But I couldn't help but think about what I heard in that video that Ms. Morgan was saying while I was thinking about Dion, which is you got to be in this for the players, man. Like if you're going to be 
at one of these institutions. I just want you to be in it for the students, including the ones that you ain't related to. Right. That's that's what I that's what I want to see. And those are the things that I want to hear is that you're in it for them. I don't care if Jackson State ever wins a game. I don't care if any of those schools ever win a game. But if you can do this for these kids, you got an opportunity to do it for the students at Jackson State in a way that honestly, you'll never have the opportunity to do it for the students at a power five school because the goals and the aims and what they're going for are something completely different. Like once you get to that level of scale and scope, it's almost impossible to do it for the players. It's almost impossible to have that kind of impact for the players. It's hard, you know? And look, man, it's a lot of hell and hassle that come with dealing with an HBCU, right? Like if you decide you're going to get tired of dealing with some of our bullshit, I understand. I'm not judging you for that, if that's the case, right? You know, this isn't specific to the HBCU. This is about the city of Jackson. But, you know, they out here trying to have a football season in a city that didn't have water for a significant stretch, right? I know it's hard, right? I know it is incredibly difficult. But I am telling you right now, man, if you as Deion Sanders work there and do that work there and enrich those players there and enrich that institution there, one thing Dion want us to do is love him. And I'm telling you, ain't nobody ever going to love you the way that that school and those people are going to love you if you stick with that. Right. They never going to love you anywhere else if you make the decision that this is a 10 year job for you, that this is what you want to do. And again, if you decide you want to go somewhere that gives you more resources, if you decide you want to go somewhere that gives you a bigger budget, then absolutely do it. I understand. I get it all totally. But if you're going to do this here, do it. If you're going to do this here, decide this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand on this and I'm going to make these kids better and I'm going to make this place better. And it doesn't even necessarily have to do with football. I don't care if you never get another five star recruit again. Any of that. I don't care. But do it for these boys. Do it for this school. Do it for that city. Do it for that conference. Do it because I'm telling you, man, if you do, the legacy that he will have from that will be so much stronger than even the legacy that he had in the NFL as Deion Sanders. I'm telling you, it will be there, you know. So, yeah, entertain them off as if you want. If you want to try to leverage it to get you more money from people who ain't got no money, even though you filthy, stinking rich. Hey, dog, go ahead and do that. Right. If that's the game you want to play, go ahead and do it. But it is my firm belief. That if Deion Sanders gets up and just says, we're going to do this at Jackson State and we're going to do it till I can't do it no more. It will be better for him and it will be better for literally everybody. You know, so keep winning, keep balling, keep doing that. But above that, keep doing for these players and keep doing for these schools that have done so much for so many of us. We know you can't be on top of all the news and information of the day. No need for the social media feeds. We got you. Now, if you haven't heard. All right, Bomani, this first story comes from Tech. Hi, my name is Chloe Young, and I am a reporter for Motherboard, Vice's tech and science section. 
Last week, I reported on a Canadian police department who shared a computer-generated image of a suspect they created using DNA phenotyping in an attempt to identify a suspect from a 2019 sexual assault case. The Edmonton Police Service hired a company called Parabon Nano Labs, who used the suspect's DNA to create an image of a young black man. They then released the image to the public, claiming that it was a last resort attempt at finding a lead in the case. But this image could be anybody. DNA can't determine things like age, BMI, or environmental factors like facial hair, scars, or tattoos. The decision to create and share this image raises questions about the racial biases in DNA phenotyping and the privacy violations of DNA databases that investigators are able to search through. Sharing this computer-generated guess of a suspect can lead to mass surveillance of any black man that falls under the specified height of 5'4". The image implicates far too broad of a pool of people, especially when people of color are already disproportionately targeted for criminal investigations. This isn't the first time this has happened. Parabon Nanolabs has worked on hundreds of other law enforcement investigations. To create the composite image, the lab uses machine learning models to compare the suspect's DNA to a database that is built on thousands of people's DNA and their corresponding image. This database uses DNA from open source, free genealogy websites that people give their DNA to, often without knowing fully how their samples will be used later for forensic purposes. Many police departments have also been collecting DNA from people who commit minor crimes to create mass DNA databases. Because people of color are already disproportionately arrested, the DNA database further inscribes criminality onto marginalized demographics. In response to the criticism, the Edmonton Police Service announced that the composite image was deleted from its website and social media, but this instance underscores how DNA phenotyping is based on an already biased data set and further exacerbates racism in policing and public vigilantism. Hey man, Gabe, you may have been living in California when this happened. You remember Christopher Dorner? That sounds familiar, but I can't claim knowledge. Chris... Christopher Dorman was Dorman was that former cop who kind of lost it and started killing people and went on this like runaway spree and wound up in the mountains before the cops tracked him down and was alleging all the the criminality within the LAPD. Yeah, look look him up. But here's the reason why I bring him up. He kind of looked like LL Cool J, right? Like he favored LL Cool. Oh yeah, that, that gave up speed now. You you remember this now? He kind of favored LL Cool J. And when that whole thing was coming up and it was the manhood for him, I was like, damn, LL Cool J can't leave his house. LL Cool J can't go in the front yard. They gonna lay LL Cool J down on Rodeo Drive. Hey, man, that other dude took out a cop. And it looked kind of like him. They gonna rock his bells right there in front of everybody, okay? And we kind of joked about that at the time. But that's real life for us, man. That is real life. When they got the APB for a black man, dog, white people ain't got nothing for us. They struggle with this. Now, 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 to be fair, I am not making that totally specific to white people when it comes to this because I used to work at The Gap when I was in college. I would go downstairs because somebody needed a size that wasn't on the floor. So I go downstairs to get that pair of 34, 34 relaxed fit jeans. And then I come back up the steps and I come up and I am looking for this white person that I was looking for in the first place. It could be anybody. And so I would just be walking up. Hey, I think that's the person. And I would see the bewildered look on the customer's face when I walked up to him like, oh, wrong white person. And then I turned and the other person would be like, hey, hey, hey. I'm over here. You know what I'm saying? That's that's all that that's all I'm telling you is that like it's this kind of thing. Our Asian brothers, 
I'm so glad that y'all are not associated with criminality in the way that people associate criminality with black people because they would jack any one of y'all up on the street and take y'all in. It, I don't know when they'd ever get it right. They would just, oh boy, it would be rough over there in that direction. I say all that to say, why are they even doing this, right? You telling me that the DNA is not going to tell you how tall the person is, is not going to tell you how fat the person is, then what is, like, what exactly is it telling you? And if it's working on DNA, I didn't hear the woman say this, but Gabe, you tell me if I'm tripping. If it's working on DNA, it is entirely possible that whatever this 3D image is that you could come up with with somebody, it might look kind of like me because if let's assume that thing works perfectly, right? It might look kind of like me because it's from one of my kinfolk, right? Somebody I got the similar DNA with. What are we going to do? Or well, imagine this. They figure out, oh, we know who it is based on this DNA. Cops kick in the door and it's a family reunion. They don't know who to get. It could be one of several different people in there. I was looking at some picture on Instagram of Kevin Hart's family. It looked like seven people with a Kevin Hart mask on. You know what I'm saying? Like if they had one of them DNA images in there and they went in there, they'd never be able to find none of them people. They wouldn't. Like somebody did all this work to come up with this. And nobody at any point was like, yo, this is a stupid idea. You imagine how much money they put in to getting this figured out? This is dumb. This is dumb. However, it ain't no worse than what they already doing. Just do what you already do. It'll be cheaper. It's all about the this route today, Gabe. Taking people places they didn't think they was going to go at first. All right, this next one comes from Health. Okay, this is Erica Edwards with NBC News. Hospitals and doctor's offices nationwide are bracing themselves for another winter of infectious diseases, but this time it's not just COVID. The flu is already picking up steam, especially in parts of the southeast and south central states like Georgia and Texas. Now, normally we don't see flu cases rising until December or January. But the head of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention told me that flu-like illnesses are higher than usual for this time of year. By the way, I say flu-like illness because not all positive cases of the flu are reported to public health officials. So we're talking about people who have fevers and a cough or sore throat without any other known cause. Doctors are also dealing with a big spike in RSV. That usually affects babies, but adults can also come down with serious cases, especially if they have lung issues like asthma. Now, the concern here is that all of these viruses are converging at a point when hospital staffing has taken a major hit. Healthcare workers are quitting at rates 23% higher than when the pandemic began. Nurses especially were on the front lines and many simply burned out and quit. Others were in their 50s and 60s and chose to take an early retirement. Doctors tell me they are struggling to recruit new people. Hey, man. I remember when COVID first hit and they kept telling us, oh, man, it's just it's not worse than the flu. I was like, well, if that's the case, I need to be showing the flu a bit more respect. Like, I feel like like, hey, were you a type to get a flu shot every year? Because I wasn't. No, I wasn't. When you getting your flu shot this year? Because I'm probably getting mine very soon. Like, I, I'm, I'm Captain Flu Shot now. Well, I just got my booster, finally. Another booster. So I'm, like, going to wait a little bit before I get my, my next shot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, right? I'm there. But, like, look, man. this The flu is rising. Hey, man. We going to mess around and find out what they used to be saying out here about the flu. If we don't get our act together about this stuff. Like, hey, man. 
I'm here for every shot y'all got to give. I know that some of y'all don't believe, but I know y'all believe the flu is real. Y'all ain't never tried to tell me that the flu wasn't real, right? You ain't never tried to tell me that the flu didn't exist. I ain't know the flu was out here killing people, right? I'll be honest about that. I didn't realize that that was what it was. But come on now. Let's uh let, let, let's get our minds right. Let's go out here. Let's get this. I've been waiting a little while because I want my flu vaccine to be all the way strong when the flu is is hitting the hardest, right? But come on, man. Don't be out here playing around, man. These people trying to tell y'all. It's frightening out here in these streets. You got people out here walking around with guns because they afraid somebody going to do something to them. Rather than just not going to places where you feel like you need a gun, they carry heat, right? Your dumb ass won't get no flu shot. Won't get no vaccine. How that work? All right, this last one comes from health. Your voice says a lot about you, and apparently a lot about your health. A group of researchers are building an artificial intelligence program that could help diagnose illnesses based on a person's voice. Using everything from how you breathe to how you talk, there are five types of conditions researchers could identify. Neurological disorders like Parkinson's, voice disorders like laryngeal cancer, respiratory disorders like lung disease, mood disorders like depression, and developmental disorders like autism. Thanks to a huge grant from the National Institutes of Health, researchers will collect tens of thousands of voices to build a database over the next four years. That database will train an AI, and that AI could one day go into an app that patients and doctors could use to flag warning signs for these conditions. As more people upload their voices to the app, the database will get bigger, and the AI could get better. While it can't replace an actual doctor, the app could help general practitioners in underserved communities catch these things earlier on and know when to refer their patients to an expert. Yeah, it's all fun and game until they start selling it. That's all I'm saying. Sound like a con. Sound like a con. I mean, like, it'd be cool if y'all can catch this early and then we do something. Like, I feel you. I see, I see the great potential in this. I ain't gonna lie, Gabe. It also sounds like some poppycock. This doesn't, doesn't sound like it works at all. Like, oh, man, sound, sound like you got cancer. What you mean it sound like I got cancer? It'll tell you this, too. You better be right. You know how mad I be? I just talking to your little app. You tell me I got cancer. Oh, sorry about that. Sounds like it's just a cold. Hell no, nah, man. This technology scaring your boy to death. Like, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It makes me very, very, very nervous. Very, 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 very nervous. But this right here, yeah. Your data going to be all for sale. Just you watch. Our voicemails brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. Hey, this is Bomani. You have reached the right time voicemail. Say whatever you want. Get creative with it. But this is your place to talk back to the show. So talk back. Peace. All right, Bomani, voicemail time. Had an interesting topic for the voicemails this week. Can you remind the people how it came up last week? Yeah, I was talking about cosigning loans and how if anybody needs you to cosign on their loan, that means you shouldn't cosign on their loan. And I figured you guys have stories about cosigning loans and other similar tales. Yes, uh, we most certainly did. Our first one comes from Makai in New Jersey. What's up, Bo? I don't have any story about... Uh signing off on a loan, but I do have a funny story about I loaned my friend some money back in the day when I was in middle school. Uh, For some context, I'm from New Jersey, and I had a man. My man's name was uh, Jesus, and one time, you know, sometimes on half days, we would go after school, and we would go just, you know, walk around to go get some food or whatever, because I I grew up in a small town, so we would just go, you know, the subway, the pizza spot, whatever. 
So we pulled up to the subway, and he didn't have any money, so I paid for him, right? But, you know, similar to you, ironically enough, um, I'm serious about, you know, getting my money back when I loan someone some money. He loaned me uh, – I mean, I loaned him $7 so he can get the uh, the subway sub, which is never actually $5. And I just kept pressing him every day, like, bro, you got my money? You got my money? His name was Jesus. I was like, you got my money? And I guess the word got back to his mom one day, and she got mad at him and started throwing $7 worth of uh, of quarters at him. So what he decided to do was come to school during uh, during lunch one time, and he decided to try to do the same thing to me. So he's throwing, we're at lunch, and he's throwing these quarters at me, and I'm trying to catch him, and I'm trying to weave him and stuff like that. And we both get sent to the principal's office. And I didn't really get in trouble. They were just like, you know what, maybe in hindsight, you shouldn't loan people money if you know they don't got it to uh to give it back to you. And my man ended up getting in trouble again <laughs> for getting sent to the principal's office. But after that, we ended up being perfectly fine. But I haven't really spoken to him since because he ended up moving away. So, hey, sis, you listening to this, man? Uh hope you're doing well, my brother. I hope your mom's doing well as well, too. And uh love the show, Bomani. Me and my father are, are big fans. Appreciate it. Hey, man, I just need to know, did he throw them quarters at you one at a time or try to throw all $7 at once? Like, I'm very curious about the quarter throwing. Because, yeah, we got to fight. He ain't throwing nothing at me. We got to fight. All right, this next story, the guy didn't leave his name or where he's from. But here it is. Right before the pandemic started, I got a new job. Brother doing well for himself. Unfortunately, my cousin wasn't so lucky. She lost her job. Now, this is one of the cousins that I talk to regularly. So we we pretty tight. So she tell me she's going through things. You know, she needs some help making ends meet. I shoot her a couple dollars here and there, you know, make sure she's straight. Fast forward. Spring of 2021, she goes on a little trip. I'm like, oh, word, okay, cool. I talked to her brother on a regular basis. He told me he, she went to the Dominican Republic. And you know what they do in the Dominican Republic. You go down there looking one way, come back looking another. I said, oh, what's up? How did you, how'd she pull that off? He said, well, you know, the government are handing out those PPP loans. So I said, oh, okay. Her first priority was to, you know, get her body done before paying me back. That's cool. I'm thinking, you know, she's going to tighten me up whenever she get right. So I end up talking to her a little while afterwards, and she goes, yeah, my grandparents paid my rent up for six months and then gave me the money to go do this. Not understanding that we have the same grandparents. I know our grandparents can't afford to do that. So I ain't doing no tripping. You know, I'm upset, but I ain't tripping about it because she still hasn't gotten a job yet. Fast forward again, we on a family vacation. We all having our last meal together and everything. And so she's sitting next to me. The waitress comes, she leaves the check, and she keeps trying to slide her check under mine. She slides it to me, I slide it back. She slides it to me, I slide it back. So eventually somebody else pays her check. So then when I when the waitress comes you know, buy to take them up, I put, you know, I'm leaving cash tip and everything. And she's saying, oh, well, you need to zero it out. I said, no, I don't need to zero it out. It's fine. I check my account every day. I know if some fish looks up. She says, why are you so stubborn? Why don't you just do what I say? I said, ma'am, you worried about me signing my check, and you didn't sign your own damn check. We haven't spoke to each other since, and I still haven't got my money. Appreciate you guys. Wow. <laughs> There's so many levels and layers to that one. So many. I, I see why he didn't leave his day. The PPP loan? 
Yes. All right. Well, we got one more. Again, no no All name right. or location. Here it is. So my girl is the child of the parents with wildly irresponsible parents. Um, my girlfriend didn't know that somebody was using her credit to pretty much pay for the internet bill somewhere. And Comcast hit her up and talked about, you aren't paying your bill. So she hit the company back and said, I don't have a Comcast account. And they said, yes, you do. So she filed a police report. But before she filed the police report, she asked her mom, hey, you know, this is going on. What should I do? Her mom said, you know, I should file a police report. So that's what she went and did. Um, next thing you know, the investigator calls her about six months later and tells her the account was open from an IP address at her own house. <laughs> so she was like, what? And they said, yeah, you know, this account was open from your own house, from your own email and whatnot. She goes back home and finds out her mom had opened up an account in her name and didn't pay the bill. And when she asked her mom about it, she said, well, what do you expect? You don't want no internet? And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Whew, that was a doozy. Gabe Basset handled everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Also, thank you to our If You Haven't Heard contributors. Also, thanks to our If You Haven't Heard contributors. Thanks to Chloe Zhang of Vice. Check out her story on police using DNA to generate 3D images of suspects at Vice.com. Thanks to Erica Edwards of NBC News. Check out her story about hospitals bracing for another bad winter. And Also, thanks to Carmen Molina Acosta of NPR. Check out her story on how artificial intelligence might be used to diagnose illnesses by the sound of your voice. Remember, follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.